ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೋ ಭುನಕ್ತು ಸಹ ವೀರ್ಯ ಕರವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವಧೀತಮಸ್ತು ಮಾಷಾವಹೈ ಶಾಂತಿ 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 ಹರಿ ಮೇ ದ ಲಾರ್ಡ್ ಪ್ರೊಟೆಕ್ಟ್ ಅಸ್ ಬೌತ್ ದ ಟೀಚರ್ ಅಂಡ್ ದ ಟಾಟ್ ಟುಗೆದರ್ ಬೈ ರಿವೀಲಿಂಗ್ ನಾಲೆಜ್ ಮೇ ದ ಲಾರ್ಡ್ ಪ್ರೊಟೆಕ್ಟ್ ಅಸ್ ಬೌತ್ ಬೈ ಗಿವಿಂಗ್ ಅಸ್ ದ ರಿಸಲ್ಟ್ಸ್ ಆಫ್ ನಾಲೆಜ್ ಮೇ ವಿ ಅಟೈನ್ ವಿಗರ್ ಟುಗೆದರ್ ಲೆಟ್ ವಾಟ್ ವಿ ಸ್ಟಡಿ ಬಿ ಇಲ್ಯೂಮಿನೇಟಿಂಗ್ ಮೇ ವಿ ನಾಟ್ ಕ್ಯಾವೇರ್ ಲೆಟ್ ಈಚ್ ಅದರ್ ಓಂ ಪೀಸ್ 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 ಸೆಕೆಂಡ್ ಮಂತ್ರ ಆಫ್ ದಿ second chapter the second section chapter 2 section 2 mantra 2 that's where we were last time i read that out last time and i explained it a little bit i'll explain a little more today hamsa shuchishad vasurantarikshasat hota vedishad atithir duronasat nishad varasad ritasad vyomasat abja goja ritaja adrija ritam brihat as the moving sun he dwells in heaven as air he pervades all and enters in the interspace as fire he resides on the earth as soma he stays in a jar he lives among men he lives among the gods he dwells in truth he dwells in space he is born in water he takes birth from the earth he is born in the sacrifice he emerges from the mountains he is unchanging and he is great so what's going on here here our the reality of our inner self is revealed as the reality of the entire universe atman and brahman are shown to be one and the same um quickly recapitulating which i have um, mentioned many times in all vedanta most vedanta classes the process of vedanta first is to look inwards and to find out who am i to investigate ourselves and when i say investigate ourselves uh, it does not mean a physical investigation of the body uh, it does not mean a psychological investigation of our thoughts you know, the first one the body we leave it to the physiologist to the doctor the uh, what's going on in the mind and the meaning of the contents of the mind or the contents of our dreams we will leave it to the psychotherapist what it means is a look into our experience and notice that one constant um fact of our experience is all experience is made possible by the fact that we are consciousness there is consciousness awareness that's what makes experience possible all experience you cannot have experience without consciousness and then we notice in my experience everything changes except the fact that i am aware and this awareness is again we realize it's not just a kind of ordinary mental awareness which we are when we use the word awareness or consciousness that's what we mean that's what we unthinkingly apply it to seeing hearing smelling tasting touching uh, thinking remembering desiring hating uh, this is what we consider to be awareness but awareness in itself minus its contents uh, it's a, it's a very subtle um, concept but it's always there and that's what makes possible our experience our first person experience that's what makes possible life itself 
And this has to be first understood that the distinction between awareness and its contents. And Vedanta calls this Atma Anatma Viveka, the discernment of the self from the not self. And here it's implicitly what is pointed out is this awareness, you should not say my awareness, not in the same sense as uh, my liver or my heart. Uh, it is you, the awareness. That is the crucial understanding to come to. Um, it's not even awareness in the sense of my thoughts, my memories. No, uh, it is you, the awareness in which the mind and the uh, body are experienced, through which the mind and body are experienced, because of which mind and body appear to be conscious. So I am awareness. This uh, shift from I am a body with consciousness or awareness to I am consciousness or awareness. I'm using the words indistinguishably. And the Sanskrit word is chit or chaitanya or bodha, many words. I am pure awareness with a mind and a body. So this shift is essential. Now this is not Advaita. This is Sankhya. But then why do we do this? Why do we give so much importance to this? Because without this Advaita is not possible. Uh, Non-duality. Oneness of all existence, not possible without this step. And this step is vital. Otherwise, what will happen, you know, is that we ordinarily will continue to think of ourselves as bodies. And even thinkers who think a lot about this, scientists, um, many philosophers, um, they will tell us that, oh, awareness, you're giving too much importance to awareness or consciousness because actually it's body which is important. And from body, consciousness emerges, you know, so through brain activity or whatever. So consciousness is secondary. Uh, you are not literally consciousness. You are deeper than consciousness is body. You are the body because without body, there'll be no consciousness at all. Uh, so you don't exist without the body. And therefore, when the consequences, when the body dies, we are all gone. This is a materialist reductionist position. You have to shake this first. This is sort of instinctive within us. Unthinkingly, we, we assume this position that I am body. And after thinking also, so many scientists, so many um, philosophers will adopt this position that we are basically body. Your awareness is very interesting, but it's basically a product of the body. This has to be broken. This has to be shifted. And we come to a clear away, uh, uh, understanding that awareness is fundamental. Consciousness is fundamental. That's why I think so much of the um, new interest in consciousness studies, and especially of the work of David Chalmers, uh, who shows that awareness, consciousness cannot be so easily reduced to uh, brain and the, nervous, you know, the activities of the nervous system. So I am consciousness. First of all, distinction between consciousness and its objects. What is it called? Atma, Anatma, Viveka, discernment of self and not self. Consciousness is self. Consciousness is you, and you are consciousness. This shift takes place. I am consciousness. Then the next thing will be, it is one consciousness in all beings. Not one body. At the level of the body, you can't have oneness. At the level of the mind, you can't have oneness. At the level of the body, you can't have immortality. At the level of the mind, you can't have um, um, you know, unchanging peace, fulfillment. It's at the level of awareness. So I am awareness, and this is one awareness in all bodies, in all, all bodies and minds. There's a big, big shift. Awareness is one and constant in all bodies and minds. And then 
finally, the third one, where you get non-duality, is that all the world and the bodies and minds, they are nothing but awareness. See, what we had distinguished earlier, awareness, consciousness and its content, self and not self. First, you shift it out, self and not self, and you are consciousness, the self, and distinguished from body-mind. Then, finally, when you realize you're one consciousness in all beings, and then all those bodies, all those minds, all that world and universe is an appearance in consciousness um, and nothing but consciousness, pervaded through and through by consciousness and nothing but consciousness. So nothing but consciousness appearing as an other to consciousness, appearing as different from consciousness. This is non-duality. No, no second, non-duality. Advaitam. So this is, uh, this final stage is now going to be talked about. In the first mantra, uh, what did he say? This is Yama teaching, Nachiketa. He said in the first mantra that in the city, city with 11 gates, there is something in that pervading it and separate from it, consciousness alone, which you are. You are not the 11 gated city. city. And not even the mind which is there, but distinct from the mind and body, your consciousness itself. Now, this consciousness is the ultimate reality. Nothing in this universe is different from this consciousness. None of these other beings with whom we are surrounded, they're different from you. Uh, they, they are you as consciousness. And their bodies and minds are also, they appear to be different from consciousness, but they are nothing other than the manifestations of consciousness, the appearances of consciousness. And again, this may sound crazy, unbelievable, but it's not, not so difficult to understand after all. Just consider your dreams. Just consider our dreams. What happens in a dream? In a dream, you fall asleep, you forget this body, and then a whole dream world, a virtual world is created instantly by your dreaming mind. And the mind creates a world with its own time and space and people and activities. And in that, you have a body. That's also produced by the dreaming mind, the mind, body in the mind, in the mind, in the dream. Remember, that's quite different from the um, waking state body, which is after, after all on the bed and sleeping and dreaming. So the dreaming mind produces a world. What is that world? Is it, does it exist outside the dreaming mind? Not at all. Um, the time in that world, the space in that world, the people in that world, the objects in that world, the activities in that world, and most amazingly, you yourself in that world. You have dreamt it up and now you have entered it as one person in that dream world. I am here and I'm surrounded by people and activities, good and bad. So we do it. Every night we do it. A whole world, which is nothing other than your own mind. Now, remember very clearly, very important, I am not saying that and Vedanta is not saying that this is the product of your mind. If you say that, that is what is called subjective idealism, uh, Berkeleyan uh, idealism or Buddhist Vijnanavada, a mind producing its own world. No, what Advaita Vedanta is saying, consciousness, not mind, in consciousness, uh, the absolute consciousness or pure consciousness, appears the world and its people and bodies and yes, even minds. They all appear in that, that consciousness. Okay. So having done this, so this, this is what is going to be said. Now the, the 
speciality or the difficult part of this mantra is mantra number two it uses uh, rather technical language or rather archaic language this is vedic language sanskrit but it doesn't mean the things it would normally mean these are words which have special meanings in ancient vedic times so that we have to see it's actually poetry i think it's just an ecstatic outburst of a rishi who looks around the world and sees his per, sees it permeated by one divinity which is his own self now we'll quick, quickly take a look at the words and the, what they um, actually mean so hamsa shushishat it moves through the skies as the shining sun what moves this is sun is moving mm. but it is brahman it's the atman itself as brahman it it appears as the sun bright sun moving through the sky that's poetry are you just taking the sun and calling it brahman in this mantra sun wind fire these are all used to point out brahman everywhere pervading everything now again a subtle point important point here if it is misunderstood one possible misunderstanding is isn't this pantheism that means this a fancy word the problem is like saying everything is god so isn't that what you say everything is god the problem with saying that is you're just taking the universe here's the universe and giving it a new name god brahman atman what good is that here is the world here are people suffering um, here is a material world time space matter energy now you just call it god so what what good did it do what what great thing uh, have you achieved by this this is not what is meant by advaita in advaita vedanta they're not taking the world as such and call it calling it god no it is brahman existence consciousness bliss appearing as the universe it is brahman existence consciousness bliss appearing as the blazing sun in the sky that is what is meant not the ball of hydrogen burning in the you know fusion reaction uh, uh, far away from earth not in that sense whatever you are seeing as the sun how do you make sense of it again not difficult notice that the sun exists nobody doubts it and according to advaita vedanta existence itself is brahman it's like saying notice that the golden ornament the golden bracelet is gold yeah. you will find gold in that in, in that ornament it's basically nothing but gold the same way when you say sun is existence itself with a name and the properties and um, um, the the activities or the function of of the sun but it's bare it's basically existence itself sat so that's what is meant hamsa shuchishad as the sun as the blazing sun it moves through the skies vasur antarikshasat and from outer space we come down to the space between us and the heavens the interspace and there it moves brahman moves where is brahman i don't see it you feel the cool breeze so it it has now appeared existence itself appearing as breeze and uh, um, you know with that name and form and function then vasurantarikshasat uh, filling the interspace with air hota vedishat uh, as fire on the earth 
this doesn't do justice to the words the words are actually uh, archaic and technical hota would normally mean a priest and vedi would mean the uh, sacrificial altar so you have to remember the vedic vedic um, civilizational context where there is a sacrificial altar and a, a fire is lit and um, ritualistically offerings are given to that fire now that fire is called hota here and the altar is is the is the way or here instead of the altar it is said earth vedi means earth so the fire on the earth there is brahman it's not actually fire it's the name and form and function is fire but the reality of it is brahman then atitir duronasat this is a funny one it has two meanings one meaning is soma juice which was an important ingredient um, part of vedic rituals soma juice and today we are not very sure exactly what soma juice was there are a lot of research and papers about it so what is this soma juice uh, this soma juice which is used which is extracted from plants and was kept in jars for offering during the vedic sacrifice but here the meaning is it is that soma juice you see in the in the middle of the vedic sacrifice sitting in the jar that is brahman this one meaning of this word atithi duronasat another meaning is it is the guest atithi literally means guest and durona means the home so appears as the adored guest in the home who is that it's not a guest in the home it is brahman brahman is appearing uh, as the guest at uh, in your home then rishat it is in all human beings how just as you saw little while ago 11 gated city in the in the middle of that shines consciousness so as consciousness in all beings all human beings rishat varasat it is there in all uh, the gods the vedic gods who are worshiped by these rituals in all the gods brahman exists so notice here brahman is one without a second and is not to be confused with the lower deities the small the uh, small g gods so varasat vara means literally the uh, worshiped ones the uh, adorable ones to so varasat it exists in all the gods uh, vyomasat it exists in the sky how does it exist in the sky as the very existence of the sky then abja it is born in the waters in the oceans as uh, fish and mollusks and sub so translating literally from shankara's commentary mollusks mollusks and snails and fish and whales and so on goja it is born in the uh, earth uh, it is born in the earth as uh, barley and wheat and rice and so on uh, what is born brahman is brahman then rithaja it is there here ritha means the the vedic sacrifice as all the um, ingredients to be used in a vedic sacrifice all the accessories the materials the um, the implements used for offering the you know the offerings into the fire all of that it is brahman this of course this one word rithaja you will see expanded in the gita brahmarpanam brahmahavi brahmagno brahmanautam we chanted before eating but that's a paradigm of a vedic sacrifice and all the ingredients of the vedic sacrifice all the components what are the components of a vedic sacrifice the fire itself the offering itself which might be ghee the clarified butter the one who offers the priest the instrument the ladle with which offering is made these are the components of uh, the vedic sacrifice 
Huh? And the chanting, and these are components of the Vedic sacrifice. He really says, all of that is Brahman. And then, Adrija, it is born in the mountains. What's born in the mountains? The, the uh, rivers, the rivers are born from the mountains. Uh, the Ganga runs from Gangotri. Yamuna runs from Yamunotri and so on. So the rivers which are born in the mountains. So what about them? They're not rivers born in the mountains. They're Brahman. Brahman is born as rivers in the mountains. This is the exact translation. Ritam, the truth, the unshakable truth. What unshakable truth? That one existence consciousness bliss which you find upon investigation as the one shining consciousness in your own heart. That is Brihat. That is vast. Not limited in your own heart. It is the vast um, you know, in which the entire universe appears. So once again, that which races blazing through the skies as the sun is Brahman. That which uh, blows through the, the skies as the atmosphere, as the winds is Brahman. Uh, that which, which, uh, uh, which is uh, blazing on the earth as fire is Brahman. And um, Brahman him, uh, itself appears as the adored guest in your house. Brahman shines as the consciousness in, your, in the hearts of all humans. And Brahman shines as the consciousness in the uh, hearts of all the deities, God, uh, all the gods, small g gods. Um, Brahman shines as the very sky itself, space itself. Brahman is born in, in the uh, oceans as the fish and the you know, ocean dwellers. Uh, Brahman is born on the earth as wheat and barley and rice and all the plants and all. Brahman is, uh, is all that you see, the paraphernalia of a great Vedic sacrifice. Brahman is born uh, in the mountains of the rivers and it is the one unshakable, limitless truth. This is the meaning. I said, wow, it's amazing. Well, that's you. You are amazing. That's, the, that's what Shankara, that's what uh, Yama wants to say. Then number three. Pointing it out, back to pointing out the Atman or Brahman within ourselves. Number three. Udvam pranam unnayati apanam pratyagasyati madhyevan vamanamasinam vishvedeva upasate All the deities worship that adorable one sitting in the middle who pushes the prana upwards and impels the apana inwards. All right. It draws our attention to breathing. And why breathing? Breathing is the very tip of what is called prana. All the physiological activities in the body. So breathing is prana, first of all. Breathing in, breathing out, this is prana. And then all the physiological activities in the body, such as not only breathing, the oxygenation of the blood, um, the action of the lungs, but also digestion of food. Mm. Um, all the physiological activities going on in the body, that is prana, because of prana. And in a vaster scale, all power and energy in this universe is prana. Now, when we say pranayama, so control of prana, we take just the tip of the iceberg. That is the one which is available for immediate voluntary observation and control. What is that? Breathing in and breathing out. And also holding the breath. There we have some voluntary control of the prana. 
And the idea there is, why, why would that help? See, prana controls everything that's going on. And in order to get control of this prana, you must first pick up the one which is available to you right now. Swami Vivekananda gives the, um, uh, uh, the, the story of the, uh, I think, the prisoner in the tower who escaped because I think it was a princess in a tower and the prince or the minister helped her to escape. First, how did you, what did you do? They sent up a, li a little um, bee, a honey bee, and put a drop of honey on its antenna and put it at the bottom of the tower and tied a tiny, delicate silk string to it. And as the uh, honeybee climbed, following the smell of the honey on its antenna, it climbed the tower and pulled up the uh, thin strand, the silken strand uh, with, with itself. And when it reached the window at the top of the tower where the princess or whoever the prisoner was, was imprisoned, so she took the uh, bee uh, uh, and untied the, the thin lace, the silken uh, thread. And she pulled up that little silken thread to it was tied a, a bigger string, which the bee couldn't have pulled up. And then the string was tied to a rope. And that was tied to a much thicker rope, which she uh, you know, tied to the window and was able to scale down the tower and escape. Now, the idea being, all these great energies are there in this body and mind. Directly, we can't control it. But as you get control of the breath, you can control those. And by controlling those, the body and mind come under your control. And the whole purpose is not to control these energies, but to still them so that you can uh, meditate. Anyway, for our purpose, what he says here is that uh, prana, this movement of prana in the body, he's using it to indicate, uh, give you a practice for finding out Atman or Brahman. Now, two of the functions of prana are Inhalation and exhalation. So inhalation, this is called apana. And exhalation is called prana. So inhalation, apana, and exhalation, prana. So that which pushes the air out of the lungs and through the um, nose into the atmosphere outside. And that which draws in air from the atmosphere outside through the nose and into the lungs. This is, these are the two activities of prana and apana. Now, what has he said here? That which pushes the prana upwards, that means exhalation. This prana is pushed upwards and out of the nose. And that which draws the apana inwards. Now, this has been converted, and, and in the middle of that, he says, in the middle of that sits the dwarf, Vamanam, but literally it means the adorable deity, which sits in the heart. Now, this idea has been converted into a meditation in Kashmiri Shaivism. It's the very famous Soham or Hamsa meditation. So you are supposed to visualize and, and um, repeat to yourself as you draw the breath in, hum. And as you exhale, exhale, sa. Now you have to visualize the breath going in from the nose, through the windpipe, down to the lungs. This is hum. And it, it should come here. There's, there's like 
12, 10, and two more fingertips like this. 10 and two more. So at the middle of the chest here. So visualize a movement by tracking the air going through the nose down to the windpipe into somewhere around here. Yeah. So 12 is called Dwadasha Anta. It's a term from Kashmiri Shaivism. I'm telling you a meditation found in the Vijnana Bhairava. And then when you exhale, Sah, imagine the air coming out, the movement coming from that point upwards and coming out here up to the air flowing out up to a point 12 uh, finger breaths from here 10 and two more up to somewhere here outside and then uh, this inside and this outside these are visualized as shiva and shakti that's in the kashmiri shaivism model i'm not going to the details of that uh, meditation the details i taught once in the garrison retreat it's uh, it's in a, a youtube uh, video, Vigyana Bhairava, Meditation in Kashmir Shaivism. So that was the Hamsa meditation. But that Hamsa meditation, it's found in the text called Vigyana Bhairava, which talks about 112 different meditations, all made meant to just help you to locate yourself as Atma, as consciousness. Now, this particular meditation is actually drawn from Vedic sources, from Upanishadic sources. And here is the Upanishadic source. The point here is, it is just a way of pointing out the Atman, that you are the Atman. And uh, it literally does not mean the Atman is only here, 12 uh, finger breaths in the middle of the chest. That's just a way of focusing. What does it mean, Madhye, in the middle? It means in your heart. What does it mean in your heart? Is medical heart in that? Is it like a heart condition? No. It means in your mind. What does it mean in your mind? It means consciousness. Trankaracharya is very clear about this. Again and again, when it says heart, he says buddhi guhayam, in the cave of the mind, in the cave of the intellect, uh, as awareness. Right now, you're aware. Awareness is there everywhere. But you can't easily find out if you say, show me awareness in this table. I can't. Show me awareness uh, in my elbow. I can't. Show me awareness in thoughts, in feelings, in emotions. Uh, I can't show you, but you can locate it yourself. So that is the, the deity in the middle of the uh, body here. Vamanam, the adorable one. There is a saying, Ratecha Vamanam Drishtva Punarjanmana Vidyate. If you see the, the dwarf, the adorable one, in the chariot, then you will not, you will, you won't have you won't go through the cycle of birth and death. You will not be born again. That means you will attain moksha. I'll repeat that. Rathe, in the chariot. Vamanam, this same, the adorable dwarf or, or the deity. Drishtva, having seen. Punarjanma, um, repeated births. Navidyate, will not be. Will not come to pass. What does that mean? Uh, so what is the chariot? The body. What is the vaman in the body? You. But not you the person. You the pure consciousness. That's why it's dangerous to say you. We will say, oh, me, I, me, myself. I know myself. No, you don't. That's why so much you have to undergo so much trouble. So the real me, which is awareness itself, not body, not mind, in this body mind. What is the chariot? The body and the mind. In the body mind is this adorable deed 
seeing that what does it mean seeing seeing means you can't see it with your eyes you can't even think about it with your mind but you are the one who sees through the eyes and who thinks realizing that one i am that aham brahmasmi punar janman avidyate what's the result of that you will not be subjected to the limited body this birth and death that means you will not be subjected to um, a life of suffering as bodies which are born and dying as minds which undergo this repeatedly no you remain as limitless awareness and then he adds vishve deva upasate and this adorable deity is continuously worshiped by all the other gods all the gods worship it what does it mean all the gods worship it who is this adorable deity you consciousness but who are the gods worshiping you i don't see any gods around worshiping me i am supposed to worship the gods where are the gods worshiping me well what is meant here is you the consciousness you have been continuously worshiped by all the deities which are the deities so in vedanta uh, or in sankhya also uh, vedanta basically the the vedic deities are identified with the functionings of the sense organs so consciousness is being continuously worshiped by its minions what are the minions um, visual capacity the auditory capacity taste and smell and touch so all these senses the sensory powers they are continuously offering um, you know giving offering sacrifices unto the deity in the chariot in the in the middle of this body the vamana who is that to you what are the offerings oh i'm being given gifts continuously yes But where are the gifts? The gifts are when you see form continuously being poured at your feet. You consciousness enjoy form. This is my worship, says the eyes. Uh, you, O oh consciousness, enjoy sound. This is my worship, says the ears. The deity in the charge of the ears. You consciousness enjoy taste and flavor. Enjoy fragrance. Uh, enjoy touch, hard and soft, warm and cold. all of these is worship of consciousness going on in this body mind system what a beautiful way of you know visualizing this scientific very psychological very logical and poetic at the same time lyrical and poetic let me repeat urdham pranam munnayati which pushes the air out through the function of prana it is the very presence of consciousness in the body that's why this is happening that which apanam pratyagasyati air flows into your nose and you know, body mind through the uh, uh, to, to the lungs why does this happen because in the middle sits this consciousness middle you can visualize it in the middle that's how we practice meditation the deity is visualized in the heart but precisely what does it mean phenomenologically you can feel it here but logically what it means it is consciousness in the middle of the mind in the middle of your your very mental existence mental by mental i mean intellectual mental um, emotional all of that perceptual and you are being this consciousness this deity this vamana in the middle is being continuously worshiped by all the powers in the body and in the mind then he talks about death what happens at death अस्य शरीरस्थस्य देहिना देहाद्विमुच्यमान 
ಸೂಕ್ಷ್ಮ ಶರೀರ ಸಟಲ್ ಬಾಡಿ ಸ್ಥೂಲ ಶರೀರ ಫಿಸಿಕಲ್ ಬಾಡಿ ಗ್ರ
in that is the subtle body sukshma sharira and how do you distinguish you can we can look at it now experience it for yourself now all right so what happens at at death what happens at death is um this physical body dies it can no longer support the subtle body sthula sharira dies it can no longer support the uh, sukshma sharira uh, so the sukshma sharira actually technically when the uh, the physical body cannot support the subtle body anymore it's not capable uh, we uh, then the subtle body leaves this physical body and that's what's called death of the body so when the subtle body leaves the physical body that's called death physical death occurs then literally we use this you know just about every indian language you know prana has left pran nikal gaya pran chala gaya pran chale gaya so prana is one of the components of the subtle body the, the life forces vitality is one part of the subtle body sukshma sharira has many components mind intellect memory ego these are some of the components mana buddhi chitta ahankara but also prana and the this prana apana all the various functions physiological functions of the prana they are all part of this subtle body and when the subtle body leaves the physical body the physical body dies that's death now notice the subtle body has one unique component it has got the reflected consciousness pure consciousness reflected in the mind that's in the subtle body so this is the crucial part when the subtle body leaves the physical body what does it leave physical body can no longer support it becomes old or damaged or whatever or sick the subtle body leaves physical body dies and when it leaves the reflected consciousness in the subtle body travels with the subtle body what about pure consciousness what about atman brahman it's always there it's there everywhere it's there in the subtle body it's there in the dead body also the physical dead body it exists as how in the dead body as the existence of the dead body but the reflected consciousness is no longer there in the dead body the subtle body is no longer there in the dead body prana is not there mind is not there intellect is not there memory is not there that has gone now important this is what is called transmigration or the the movement of the self from one body to another the soul's journey soul's journey is the journey of the subtle body along with the reflected consciousness is it there is the uh, uh, atman or brahman there in this in the subtle body also of course it's there everywhere why shouldn't it be in the subtle body but remember the atman or brahman in an advaitic perspective does not travel it's everywhere what will where will it travel if you walk around in your dreams you are walking around somewhere but the fact is that the mind which is dreaming it the mind is not walking around mind is everywhere you walk around because the whole dream has been constructed by the mind similarly the whole universe exists in atman or brahman where will the atman or brahman go it will not it cannot go from one place to another all places are in it it's not in a place but the subtle bodies move subtle bodies are many as many jeevas we have so many subtle bodies and they continuously are moving they are moving with the physical body when the physical body is alive when the physical body is dead it moves out of the physical body into other lokas into other uh, realms and again gets a new physical body a new birth 
according to the past karma of that jiva. Who is a jiva? Pure consciousness, Atman, Brahman, with the limitation of one subtle body, is a jiva. So, infinite awareness appearing to be limited in these limited subtle bodies, these are jivas, sentient beings, persons, individuals. That's us. If you count, there are 69 people here. There are 69 jivas here. How many uh, physical bodies? 69. How many subtle bodies? 69. Uh, how many reflected consciousnesses? 69. How many pure consciousnesses? One. Just one. Not only in these 69, in all the 7, 8 billion people, in all the billions of sentient beings, and the non-sentient, non-living uh, universe, so-called non-living universe, that also is one Atman, one existence. So all that for a background. What is death? Death is death of the physical body, occasioned by the subtle body leaving the physical body, carrying with it the reflected consciousness. Atman or pure consciousness always remaining the same. All right. Now, we look at the mantra. This pure consciousness, ref reflected as the reflected consciousness in each subtle body, the body which is destructible, the body which, which can die, the physical body dies, and the subtle body which can be separated from this physical body, in that subtle body is a reflection of you, the pure consciousness, called the reflected consciousness. When it leaves the physical body, it says, Kimatra Parishishyati. What is left here? And Shankara gives a, gives a commentary. He says that, like a king, remember the 11-gated city, like the king of the city, when the king of the city leaves the city, what, a, what despair and ruin the dwellers of the city fall to. Yeah. Um, so you have a week-long um, funeral of the queen when the queen has left the city of, of London. So we fall into despair and weep and wail and mourn for days and days. So similarly, the dwellers of this city, they fall into despair. The city falls into, um, into disrepair when the subtle body has left, when the king has left. Who's the king? Not the subtle body. The king is the reflected consciousness in the subtle body. It's because of that king, you, the reflected consciousness in that mind, everything in that body-mind is going on. When you walk out with the movement of the mind, the body falls into ruin and disrepair. He says, what else is left here? You might say, well, the dead body is left here. But even the dead body doesn't survive long without your presence there. It, natural processes take over and it falls apart very soon and its components go back to their natural sources, dust to dust. All of it goes back to, to nature again. So the physical body, the city falls into despair and ruin, ruin when the king of the city has left. Who is the king of the city? It's the subtle, uh, it is the con reflected consciousness in the subtle body. So this is the description of death in, uh, from um, Yama's perspective in the Upanishad. What about Atman Brahman? As Atman Brahman, you're perfectly all right. Death is incidental to you. See how much, how vastly it magnifies you. How much, it does not deny death. But it puts death in its place. It's a process 
of uh, decay and destruction of the physical body. Correct. Yama is not denying that at all. It's a process of transmigration, movement from one body to another body of the subtle body, from one loka world to another loka of the subtle body. And indeed, you, the, the reflect, your reflection moves with the subtle body. That's why we say dead and that person has now gone and goes to heaven and will be reborn again when, because of past karma as some kind of other, in a, some other body. Who is that? Subtle body. Who is that? Reflected consciousness. However, however, let's be careful here. We must not think that, oh, so I am pure consciousness and other than me, there, there is one uh, physical body here, there's one subtle body there, there's one reflected consciousness there. there. No, no, no. All of that is an appearance in you. All of that is you also. But you are not touched by the changes in that. No more than you are touched by problems and changes in, in the characters in your dreams. So that is death in the, um, in the Upanishadic sense. Now let's quickly look at the questions. I'm sorry, I lost many of the questions earlier when computer's subtle body uh, malfunctioned. It's prana. You notice the importance of prana here. The moment all is working, computer is fine, programming, the apps are running, the programs are running fine, and we, we are, we are Brahman, Atman. We are watching it, enjoying the whole thing. But crucially, what happened? Uh, if electricity goes away, for example, in my case, of course, the subtle body malfunction, that is the internet connection, we call it the prana. So the connection malfunction, and then the whole thing shuts down for a while. But notice, you are fine. The computer may shut down, the internet connection may shut down, the apps in the computer may malfunction, internet, um, um, there may be an internet outage, power outage. You are completely untouched by the whole thing. This is a good example. You just were not able to experience the class anymore. That's it. The class disappeared. Similarly, samsara disappears for you. If the equipment is not, equipment is not functioning properly. But when the equipment functions properly, you, it, is, it presents samsara to you. But notice your difference from samsara. And this is not Advaita. Your distinction is between consciousness and matter. Sankhya, Prakriti and Purusha. All right. Kiran says, Swamiji just noticed in Mantra 2, all the five elements are mentioned, just as the universe can be reduced to the Panchabhutas. Yes. Fire is mentioned, uh, space is mentioned, um, uh, then water and earth uh, and wind are all mentioned. You're right. All the five elements. I didn't notice that. Gaurav says, when we investigate this consciousness, reflected consciousness, we can still, still see that it's not illusion. It is that which is illumining all my current experiences. Be careful. It's not illusion, but it is none other than you, the original consciousness. It's like saying, oh, when I look at my face in the mirror, I see that it's not illusion. But don't be mistaken, fooled into thinking it's a real face in the mirror, that there's somebody in that mirror. It isn't. It's your reflection. Your face is real. That's a nice facsimile, a beautiful copy of your face, but it's not a real face at all. Is it okay to still accept that Upanishad is talking about this consciousness? If we accept that Upanishad is talking about some pure consciousness, awareness is distinct from consciousness, which I'm right now, 
when we get into something mystical different from us. No, 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 we don't. But don't make this mistake. See, this is what happens. The moment you start talking about reflected consciousness, we instinctively identify with the reflected consciousness. We say, oh, okay, now I, have a, I um, exhale a breath of, of relief. Now I know where I am. I am this awareness. And Swami is saying this is reflected consciousness. Therefore, I am reflected consciousness. There is some original pure consciousness, um, Brahman, Atman, which I am supposed to be. But right now, I have no idea of that. I am reflected consciousness. No, 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 no. You must carefully hold on to Just take it on, on faith because I am saying it. But carefully hold on to this. You are pure consciousness. You are Atman, Brahman. For the time being, you are unable to distinguish yourself from this reflected consciousness. That's why you think you are reflected consciousness. You are. It's like you are seeing your face in the mirror. And you are convinced, okay, I am that one. There. There. That is which is appearing in the mirror. No, no, no. You are this one. You can't, I can't see this one. I can see that one. But... That one is coming only because this one is there. I am this one. The reflected consciousness is coming only because you are pure consciousness. So, instead of um, thinking that you are reflected consciousness and you're searching for some kind of pure consciousness, think that your pure consciousness being reflected in the mind as reflected consciousness. You know why this is happening? It's because of an incomplete separation between you, the consciousness, and mind. It's because I, I, have, I have not understood the mirror and the reflected face as something distant and separate from me, the, uh, the um, original face, the real face. I have, a, I have no idea about this real face. Now you take it on faith that you are not the mirror, you are not that reflected face, you are the actual face. Just take it on faith for the time being and then we'll work carefully to see that I, I am the... Uh, the pure consciousness, not the reflected consciousness. In fact, what Gaurav is saying, if I say that reflected consciousness is real, see, is it okay to accept the Upanishad talking about this consciousness? If we say that uh, it is talking about the reflected consciousness, but you remember, Upanishad is using that reflected consciousness to point out to you the real consciousness. Upanishad is not really interested in the reflected consciousness except as an explanatory mechanism. Why is it that we feel conscious in all our thoughts, feelings, perceptions? Because of that reflected consciousness. What is practically giving us illumination in day-to-day -day life? It's reflected consciousness. Just like if I say, what is practically giving you illumination in a moonlit night? It is moonlight, but remember, moonlight is nothing other than sunlight all the time. Rodrigo says, then in reality, there is no journey, not journey, it's all a trick of ignorance. Correct. All journey is in the body, like we are moving around now. All journey is in the mind from lifetime to lifetime. And you are the reality in which this journey appears. Hard to understand movement of reflected consciousness. Subtle body is matter, but reflected consciousness is not. No, reflected consciousness is also nothing but subtle body. It's a peculiar combination of you know, pure consciousness reflected in the subtle body. Subtle body is matter, reflected consciousness is very much matter. It's like saying 
the face reflected in the mirror the mirror is glass i can understand but the face reflected is not glass it's glass touch it what will you touch when look at yourself in the mirror and then touch your reflected face <laughs> you are touching the mirror every bit of your reflected face is nothing but the mirror it's a unique property of the mirror it can reflect your face the wall cannot reflect your face the wash basin cannot reflect your face but the mirror can similarly the unique property of minds of subtle bodies is it can reflect consciousness reflect is just a word it's not a physical reflection it's not physical light reflect channelize limit these are the words which have been used in vedanta um, the technical terms are uh, pratibimba reflection avacheda limitation uh, abhasa unreal reflection this is a whole complicated theories pratibimba vada says the consciousness you are feeling now is your reflection is a reflection of pure consciousness and the reflection is nothing but pure consciousness in this sense use the mirror example in the mirror i see the reflection of my face and when i say that is nothing but this is pratibimba vada reflection is nothing but this the reflection points directly to the original that's one theory but suppose you have a reflection and you consider the reflection in itself that's abhasa then the reflection is false it's not real it's just the mirror itself appearing as your face but it has some of the properties of your face it looks like your face similarly the mind itself uh, it takes on the capacities and powers of consciousness to illumine to reveal to give first person experience that by the way is the answer to the hard problem of consciousness in advaita vedanta paru says is witness consciousness the same as pure consciousness yes sakshi is the same as pure consciousness witness consciousness not reflected consciousness girish says following up last night's discussion on free will isn't the concept of karma incompatible with the deterministic ruled by causality phenomenal world correct it is but um, Uh, notice that there is those three levels of free will which arindam chakravarti talks about at a certain transactional level we all accept free will for uh, um, economic choice you need free will for uh, political choice you means free will um, you know law functions on the concept that there is free will so on everything in this world functions on the assumption there is free will so transactionally let us assume that free will because it works this assumption works only on investigation it seems that there is no free will jennifer says pronounce from uttarakhand oh you are in uttarakhand in himalayas in india <laughs> jennifer when the enlightened one leaves the body this complete loss of individuality when well, the enlightened one doesn't leave the body in advaita vedanta only the unenlightened one leaves the body so you might say what does it mean the enlightened one stays in the body no the body and the world all of these are appearances in that one reality which the enlightened one knows i am that when if the enlightened one were to leave the body what would happen if the enlightened one the enlightened one knows i am brahman if brahman were to leave the body what would happen is there to die no it would vanish in an instant 
what happens to the bodies and places and things in your dream when you wake up do you leave your body in the in the dream no the body inside the dream you know the body you have in a dream do you leave it no it disappears the moment you wake up not only that body disappears everything else in the dream disappears the universe would disappear in an instant if the enlightened one were to leave the universe the universe appears in the enlightened one thomas says why should we consider atman the same as analogous to brahman not analogous literally identically the same as brahman see that was that's what the upanishad said in the 11 gated city you find this one consciousness but it is that consciousness which is uh, which is racing along in the sky as the sun which is fills the uh, space as the atmosphere which blazes on the earth as fire as water in the um, and the mountains and the earth and so on you say so that's one uh, answer that the upanishad is saying that that's what we should be clear about upanishad says that your real nature the atman and the real nature of this universe is uh, the same your real nature is atman the real nature of the universe is brahman atman and brahman are the same this is a crucial insight of advaita vedanta now can you argue that out logically you can you can i will not go into it here you will look for it at some places i have given the sevenfold reduction of the material universe into pure consciousness nivedita says donald hoffman yes another person is doing very interesting work um of comparing illusory universe in which we live that hides the underlying reality with icons on a desktop that hide the subtleties of a computer correct correct that's one uh, analogy uh, god of metal actually unenlightened also doesn't leave the body it's subtle body which leaves the body is that correct not quite if you ask an unenlightened person if that person ever has any memories of coming up of past lives and if you ask what happened so i left that body all these accounts of jeevas you know Uh, died and traveled i went to heavens heavens or hells or whatever i now i am born to these parents so the, the, who is whose experience is this this is the jiva's experience what jiva the unenlightened one so the unenlightened one feels that he or she is traveling just as we in the physical body we feel we are traveling right now when you move around you feel you are traveling this is an unenlightened state actually i am not traveling i am consciousness in which the body is moving around that that should be the thing um but we feel instinctively that we are this body and moving around similarly upon death we will feel that we are this subtle body we did not die physical body died i as the subtle body am now moving on to other worlds and other experiences all of that is ignorance according to the advaita you have never ever moved around in a physical body nor have you ever moved around or or you'll ever do so in a subtle body they are all movies playing on you the unmoving screen of existence consciousness please all right on that highly metaphysical note let's take leave om shanti 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 hari om tat sat shri ram krishna arpanamastu